It's the R word that many won't use today. Repent. We'll take a look at that word, what it means, and why it is so important for you and I as believers in Christ. Coming up next. Repent, to repent, repentance, repenting. These are terms that sadly are foreign in many of our churches in today's society, but it is something that is extremely necessary for you and I as believers in Christ. It's essential if we are to continue our relationship in Christ, to repent or turn from and turn towards, turning away from sin and turning towards Christ. Stopping that which is bad, doing that which is good. That's the subject of our time today and tomorrow here on Truth For Today. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians, sometimes called the Sorrowful Letter. We don't know if it's First Corinthians, some think it is. Some think it's a lost letter, maybe. But he obviously dealt with some very painful subjects could be the brother in an incestuous relationship with his uh, stepmother in 1 Corinthians 5. It could be the disputes, all the confusion that was going on in the church at that time. Uh, It can be the minority party that keeps questioning his apostolic authority, keep questioning, uh, are you really an apostle? And it was an effort to discredit his message. Uh, so they went after the messenger, Paul. We're not quite sure of what all was up, but it was painful. And he says, uh, So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. So he's gone. He's had a painful reception. And he sends Titus to go see the church next time. For if I grieve, who is left to make me glad? But you of whom I have grieved. I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. So I'm I'm sorry for the grief. And it goes over here in chapter 7. Let's pick up verse 5. Chapter 7, verse 5. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside. Probably opposition. Fears within. It's a little comforting, isn't it? For you that have had those times when... All you could see was conflict on the outside and had an internal fear and shaking. Here's the Apostle Paul having the same emotions. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Just a rhetorical question. Would you be a source of comfort if you came to somebody that was downcast? Could you bring him comfort? Here he said, God put his comfort in a man, Titus. Wouldn't it be nice to say, here comes Brother Comforter. 
instead of, oh no, turn out the lights, pull the shades. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so we were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. I want to speak on the subject of repent or else. Sounds rather strong, doesn't it? But as we see what the Bible says about our sin and repentance, it seems to be that strong. Repent or else face serious consequences. Here Paul is dealing with a problem in the church. He's written a letter that it pained him to write. It caused pain to them. And so he sounded like double talk. Uh, you were pained. I was pained. Uh, I, I didn't want to hurt you, but I did. And I thought it was necessary. Uh, how, how many of you grew up with this view? It can't get you better unless it stings. Anybody remember methylate? Never heard of Bactine. I mean, by the time they came out Bactine, I thought, this is sissy medicine. It's got to sting. It's got to hurt. It's got to, you know, have a bite to it. Uh, and you're like the parent that says, I, I hate to do this to you. Uh, uh, it's going to make you cry maybe or wince a bit, but it will get you better. So I'm not sorry. So are you sorry or are you not? I'm both sorry and I'm not. I want to do what it takes to get you well. But I think that's something we ought to look at. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And repentance leads to salvation, not to be regretted. Uh, I want to look at the three things. Sorrow and uh, then look at repentance. What does it really mean? And then look at salvation. Let's see what it means. He says there's two kinds of sorrow. He says there's a worldly sorrow that brings death. And there's a godly sorrow that brings repentance. Now, today are people in sorrow. Are people hurting? Have you heard of opioids? Have you heard of drugs? I need a drug to go to sleep on. I need a drug to calm my nerves. I need a drug to give me an upper. Uh, besides Red Bull, I need about three other uppers. Uh, we're the most drugged culture in 
world history. I mean, drugs are everything. Anxiety, volume, sleeping medication, uh, on and on and on and on. We've got a pill for about everything. I, I have a churning stomach all the time. I'm on a pill. My nerves are a little bit racked. I'm on. We've got a pill for it. If you'll get a symptom, we'll invent a pill. This pharmaceutical is nearly going broke, you know. And here are the causes. I cannot name all. Here, I want to say this before I get started or I get any mail. That all sorrow, all sickness is not a result of sin. Because you've got Job. Here's a man that loses everything in a day. And we know the, the whole plot. We know it's Satan coming against him that if he's stripped, he'll deny God. And God said, this man can pass the test trying. He hasn't sinned. He's, he's a righteous man. Go ahead. So we have a man and uh, his very wise comforters set by him in the ash heap for seven days. And they scratched their head and said, you've done something wrong. You, you cannot be having this much pain and not be wrong. So we've got to be careful. Everybody having trouble doesn't mean uh, they've been sinning. They've done, they, they're just having trouble. And I listed some of the things in the Bible that brings trouble. Death. It brings sorrow. And even tells believers, you've got sorrow. Just be sure it's not the ungodly kind where you do weird stuff. It's okay to sorrow. Uh, sickness. Job says that in Job 6. He was sorrowful. Affliction. Zephaniah 3. Pain in Psalm 69. Whenever I'm pain, it brings sorrow, whether that's emotional, physical, uh, that's why in sickness, uh, your body and your soul are such close neighbors, they catch either, e- each other's diseases. If your body's down, it's easy to be depressed, discouraged, blue, melancholic. Your body is affecting uh, your mood. I remember when I was first diagnosed with diabetes, uh, Rich Rollins told me, he had worked with people, and he said, now, you got to watch out, Phil. You're going to have mood swings. He said, you're going to, because this, uh, you got a chemical imbalance going on. Your blood's going to go up. It's going to go down. Your energy's going to go up. It's going to go down. And I think you'll make all of this a spiritual problem. You'll call it carnality. I feel carnal. He said, no, your blood sugar's crashing on you. You might need to get some food in you. You might have too much sugar in you. You've got you've to calculate the chemistry going on in your body. So I'm just telling you, your body is going to affect your moods. It's going to affect your energy. So the body and soul, such close neighbors, I'm depressed. Oh, by the way, I'm sick. Oh, by the way, I'm taking enough drugs. I don't hardly know who I am. It's very complex. Uh, Jesus facing a crisis called the cross. He's sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful. Crises, situations. Uh, and I, I think of, uh, you have, 
in the 1800s, Charles Darwin, about 1870, uh, writes his book, The Origin of the Species, and we begin this long development of evolutionary science. But one of his thesis, of course, is that we're becoming a better species. We're improving. Uh, we're becoming a superior race. And just did anything happen in the 1900s to disprove that theory? Have you heard of World War I and trench warfare? No, many of you haven't because you don't even know there was a World War II. 1912, 1916, France, Germany, Britain, World War I, brutal. Men sleeping among the corpses, the rats, the feces, and no man's land in a terrible trench warfare. World War II, slaughter. Stalin alone rewards his soldiers by killing millions of them when they return from World War II. In Russia, he killed his own people. And of course, Hitler said, I've got to get rid of Jews, blacks, and gypsies. And so he killed six million. It didn't sound to me like man was getting better. Man is dangerous. He's sinful. He's a rebel. He is deceitful. He is lost and loved by God. And all the time, he resists the only thing that can cure him. This is his dilemma outside of Christ. Now, let's talk about godly sorrow. What is godly sorrow? Sorrow that God authors and that God uses for a purpose. He said, worldly sorrow just results in death, divorce, death, broken relationships, estrangement, uh, away, away. It's destructive, destructive. Uh, Worldly sorrow can keep you at a bar stool every night getting drunk because of what's happening in your home and destroy your life and a life of death, a life of uh, pain, uh, on and on and on. Worldly sorrow. It's all the heartbreak songs, all the country songs. She left me. She took my dog. She took this. She took that. And they say, if you play the record backward, you get everything back. <laughs> so, you know, uh, when we talk about uh, worldly sorrows, one thing. But what about godly sorrow? What is that? Uh, obviously, sorrow that God obviously brings into our life. Now, the, the leading example of this is we've got a boy brought from the flock, the least of Jesse's sons, not even worthy to be mentioned to Samuel. And uh, he escapes Saul's hand. He finally moves into Jerusalem after fleeing on the Judean hillsides, fleeing down to the Dead Sea, going down to En Gedi, living in absolute wilderness, living out there against un unbelievable odds. Finally, Jesse's boy is set up on a throne, the man who will be a progenitor of Messiah, and he has 15 women in his harem, and he decides he's going to kill Uriah to add one more. So he carries out the plot, 
brings in Joab, no one's to know. Has Uriah carried the very sealed letter that is his death sentence? A man that was a Gentile Hittite, a man that was loyal to the king, a man that would not even visit his wife when he's coming home from war because the men of Israel are out there in trenches and tents. He said, I'm not worthy to sleep with my wife while the tribes of Israel are fighting the Philistines, while David is just lounging around the temple, the power. And I happened to see a man's wife bathing as they did on the housetops. They didn't have showers. She went out there seducing. It's just common. Fixation. I want her. Get her. Well, she's married. I can eliminate that. I'm the king, you know. Eliminate Uriah. Takes him. Now, David finally after nearly a year's cover-up, the baby starts coming around and he picks up a pen and God says, under the guidance of the Spirit, I want you to write my people and tell them what you experience. What was it like being God's man pulling off this sin and covering it up? Nobody knows about it but Joab, Bathsheba, and you. Turn to Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one the Lord does not count against him his sin. But let me tell you what I went through. When I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Now, did David quit having bones? No, no. We're we're in poetic language. The frame of my being, my bone structure, the frame, and this is a warrior king. My frame felt like every bone in my body was wasting away, and I was in constant groaning. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. We would call it depression. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Now imagine when the hand of omnipotence wants to press down on your head. You can get all the pills you want. You can't remove the hand of omnipotence. Pharmacists, there's no cure for this man's problem. You can't medicate this away. This is unconfessed sin. This is my child. I'm going to press him down. It's like I'm going to put your face in the dirt. Boy, you're going to get it. You can't pull this off and me not do something about it. Do you like it? I'm going to put your... It's like the dog's nose pushed in the manure. I'm going to push your face into your sin. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Verse 9, he has a word of exhortation. Do not be like the horse or the mule. Are there any horses or mule-tempered people here? 
which have no understanding. It's called, you're a hard-headed child, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Cooperate. Let God's eye train you, not pain, the bit, the bridle. Come. Let me just look at you. Notice what he says. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I grew up with a father. It only took his eye to, believe me, strike fear in us. There's a brother asking. We went out somewhere. We didn't tear up a house because L.J. Howard said, I'm looking at you, boy. We have an appointment if you don't sit down and behave. Yes, father. Now, remember, he's pre-Spock. There's no Spock in our house. Book of Proverbs, 38. Look at Psalms 38. Please, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. We're talking about godly sorrow. What kind of sorrow can God bring into a heart for sin if he wants you to listen to him? Your arrows have pierced me, and your hand has come down on me. I can't imagine being shot with an arrow. I mean, just having an arrowhead in you to get that thing out. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. Could you be sick because God is bringing sorrow? Does God need permission to make you sick? He killed people in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 11. And he made some of them sick because of the way they took the Lord's Supper. Could he make you sick? He made David sick. My body, there's nothing well. And this is, this is not Brother uh, Twinkie. This man had to kill a hundred Philistines to get a bride. A hundred. I mean, this is... A strong man. You talk about athletic. He he killed men before he took martial arts. He moved from being a shepherd to a warrior pretty quick. He said, I'm, I'm sick. There's no soundness in my bones. Why? Because I haven't been working out. Because, because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me. It's like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. This is, I know where my trouble's coming from. I know why I'm having this trouble. Psychosomatic, physical, depression, the hand of God. I know where it's coming. It's coming from one night fleeing and consenting to the death of Uriah. I'm the king. I don't have to be taken to court. Nobody tells me what to do. I run Israel. You don't run God. You will not run God. You will not mock him. He will have the final word. You best fear him, David. You're not above godly sorrow. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. 
As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 